Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Big 12 Watch. I'm your host, Josh Neighbors. Joining us today from Locked On Cougars or Cougs or whatever the hell they say, no cease and desist on. Uh, it is the man, the myth, the legend, Jake Hatch. Jake, it's nice to see you again. Um, we're here to talk some BYU basketball, but also kind of check in on everything college sports we're kind of getting the rumors right now we got the 12 team playoff we're all situated we're good to go yeah uh, and before we even played a 12 team playoff game the rumors of 14 and 16 are out there um the the big one i think it's got the most steam at this point in time is three automatic qualifiers for the sec three for the big 10 two for the acc two for the big 12 and then one for the highest g5 uh, that all in total will give you, let's see, is that, is that 11? Or is 11. That, yeah, 11. Yeah. And then your next three, obviously, would end up being uh, the highest ranked teams selected by whatever committee that we end up with. But um, it's funny to have a 12 team approved and immediately go to 14. Like, I think it's the obvious thing, but like, mm-hmm. that's, that is, that is the thing, right? That's kind of the weirdest part about it. Well, they fought against uh, even expanding the playoff for so long that the second they go to 12, they're like, you know what? Why why you stop there? Let's go to 14. That's that's the thing about this. It's such a weird deal. And uh, here's the here, here's the issue is that the SEC and the Big Ten want to control the sport. So with that proposal out there of a 14-team playoff with them both getting three automatic qualifiers, I'm not surprised by it because the other conferences simply just don't have leverage right now. Uh, I, I was afraid when they were talking about potentially expanding this and giving extra automatic qualifier spots to those two conferences that the ACC and the Big 12 maybe suck with just one. So, uh, frankly, mm-hmm. if they're going to go with this, where they're going to have expanded automatic qualifier spots, getting two for the ACC, and more importantly for me out here with BYU being in the Big 12, also I include Utah in that, I guess I should say as well, here in Salt Lake City, uh, having two automatic qualifier spots for the Big 12, all things considered, I think it's a pretty advantageous thing to have. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I, I think a couple things here with the SEC and the Big 10, you know, I was actually surprised at the dollar figure that we saw from ES that was being floated for ESPN for the 12 team playoff. I thought it would be higher than that. Um, and I think with that, obviously, 14's gonna add more teams, but also if you think about it, three AQs, the Big Ten, three AQs for the SEC, uh, and then also obviously the three at large is what that most likely gives you is a situation where, look, it actually is just going to guarantee some more bigger names. And if you're guaranteeing some more bigger names being in, then you can bear, you know, guarantee better, be- better games in the sense of like better branded games. And so I think that is where you'd probably get a better chance at fetching a larger dollar value. That's my assessment of this. And to be honest, I actually like, I'm kind of with you. I actually think three, three 
two two one is is a is relatively equitable. Yeah. Um, I think with the G five, the one getting in, you know, maybe there's an argument that's not as equitable. You know, once again, we have to see like where they where they ranked and whatnot. Um, yeah, but I think that's kind of the right the right area to be in. It does make a lot of sense. And look, there's always years that you can point to and say, well, this year, this, these teams have gotten in this year, these teams have gotten in all that kind of stuff. But like, generally speaking, three from the sec definitely makes sense. Three from the big 10, when you consider who they're adding, yeah, right. Oregon, Washington, USC, mostly like I think about those three schools, it makes more, it makes I'll shake my head. Yes. To that. Um, that makes sense. I guess the ACC with two does make some sense. The Big Twelve with two does make sense. So I'm I'm actually okay with that idea. I just think the 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 part where I begin to worry is once again like we're making decisions just for the money, yeah, and that never ends up well. And like once again, the NFL can do that. I don't know if college sports can just live that way because like there is a certain sanctity they have to protect and slip, there's a slippery slope i think with some of it well and that that's the thing about it is we we want to think that uh that there is still some collegiality that exists in college football it's kind of gone out the window let's be honest we're all kind of watching this trying to see what the moves of the sec and the big 10 are going to make are they going to pull themselves away and create their own uh intra-conference a championship at some point down the road that very well could happen but uh, i think that the the biggest thing they're trying to do right now is try and keep those uh, teams speaking of those two conferences particularly in the fold and not have them break away and essentially create a, a top tier and then what would be essentially a second tier with all the other teams in the Big Ten, the ACC, the G5, etc. So, uh, yes, I, I get where they're coming from on this. Do I like it? Not necessarily, but uh, you you mentioned it. It's all about money. It's all about dollar figures. And if they're if that's what they're going after, and it sure seems like the almighty dollar is speaking the most right now, that's simply the kind of the path we're going to take, and we're going to create essentially what we're trying. What they're trying to do is create a miniature NFL, but. Will they really ever replicate what the NFL's done? Probably not. No. Yeah, I mentioned that too. That's kind of my big worry about all of this is that, you know, when you start disenfranchising teams, and I, you know, I think the G5 will be the first fan bases to get disenfranchised. I mean, Washington State and Oregon State already kind of got that. Yeah. But like once you tell the G5, hey, kind of, you need to go do your own thing, which I think will happen. Like, why should those people, you know, if you're, you know, just let's just say Tulane, right? Like if you're in Tulane and you like Tulane football, then you'll care about what Tulane's got going on. You'll care about the other teams Tulane's playing. You'll probably care about the Saints, right? Like, it's not like I, if you're a Tulane fan, you don't have to watch Alabama versus Oregon. That's every single week what's happening because, like, what does that mean to you? And also, it's not the highest level of football available. Your New Orleans Saints or whatever NFL team you're a fan of, Dallas Cowboys is the highest level of football. That, that to me is my concern because you mentioned it like they're not the NFL. Like, the NFL is like, we're going to play an opening week game on a Friday in Brazil. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, sure. We're going to have tw 20 million people will probably watch the game. Right. Like that's, like that, that's the NFL for you. You know what I mean? They're going to do a crazy number because that, that's the NFL is just so ironclad college football. It's football, which Americans love. We do love football, but I, I wonder if we start, like, how much can you tug on the strings before you start losing interest? Cause like, once again, like, New Orleans is a large city and I'm not saying everybody in New Orleans is a Tulane fan, but like you start wondering like, okay, how many small pockets of fans can you pull away and start that's those small pockets of fans begin to make up a larger number. And you kind of have to ask, okay, how much can we pull away? Well, and the biggest thing is these universities, they're community based. That's the biggest part about yes. it. 
Tus- Tuscaloosa, Alabama, let's be honest, is not a metropolis. But guess what? They have an incredible brand of football that has existed under Nick Saban. That that's why it's got such legions of fans all over the country. I can speak out here in Utah. We have two extremely loyal fan bases, and probably a third if you want to include Utah State there. That they are loyal first and foremost to their colleges. The vast majority of their fans probably went to that university or grew up rooting for it. And to tear them away, as you mentioned, is it's just a bad deal because they want to believe that their teams can compete at the quote-unquote highest level they possibly can compete at. Well, guess what? You start tearing away, as you mentioned, those fan bases, the two lanes, the, uh, I don't know, you can go down the list, any of these community-based universities. Right. They have, they have a connection to the universities that uh, exist kind of in a unique ecosystem of a sports fandom. A lot of the, us are pro sports fans. we got the Utah Jazz out here in Salt Lake City. They have a, an incredible fan base that encompasses all three of BYU, Utah, and Utah State. Where uh, BYU, Utah, BYU and Utah fans can't agree on anything they can agree on the utah jazz by and large but that that's the unique part of what college brings is their community-based things it's not the 32 nfl teams where they're kind of this big leviathan that you mentioned you go to brazil they're going to have bonanza ratings college football games they're still a, a bit of a niche product they are still very highly rated they still outdo the nba and major league baseball by and large but you you got to be careful to protect this because if you start trying to just push the big brands on everybody well guess what those smaller schools which have these ardent fan bases yeah they are going to get turned off and turn their back on you yeah and i like i you know the big 12 is such a great example like this is a especially the new big 12 it's a community based conference i mean think about k state oklahoma state iowa state ku Obviously, BYU, obviously, Utah, Baylor, TCU, Cincinnati, West Virginia. Like these are these are communities, you know, that's what they are. Yeah, and that, that, that's the thing about it is they th- these are uh, universities. You went to school there. You got your degree from that university. You you put your time in there. You you made some of your best friends. I still have very good friends to this day. I'm, I'm now 37 years old, Josh, and I've got friends mm-hmm. from my time at BYU well over a decade ago that will be friends for life. That's kind of the unique nature of what college sports is all about. You don't find that with the NBA. You don't find that with the NFL. You don't find that with Major League Baseball. That is the unique aspect of what college football and college sports bring to us. And I, I don't want to see that go by the wayside because that's a big reason why a lot of people out there are college sports fans because they have a connection to these universities. I had a grandfather who taught at BYU for 40 years. That was my connection first and foremost to Brigham Young University. I've got a, one of my best friends from uh, junior high school who I still talk to this day. He is as dyed-in-the-wool Utah fan as you're going to get, and we've had we've bickered back and forth for years on all kinds of BYU and Utah topics. That is the unique part of what college sports brings to us. And if you try and push this to being a more of a uh, kind of a, I don't know, a, uh, I'm tr- what I'm trying to say. It's more of like a, a system where it's, it's, it's a pro sport. It's a minor league right. NFL. It's just, a, it's a bad, bad deal for all parties involved. It feels like. All right. Let's talk about a good deal uh, for the big 12 and for BYU fans. The surprise of the big 12 basketball season has been the BYU Cougars basketball team. And really, it, it kind of came to a head the other night when they went to Allen Fieldhouse and they beat Kansas to get to 20 wins. Uh, they got themselves, let's see, they're back uh, eight and seven yeah. on the year. They got three games left, TCU at home on Saturday. They've got Iowa State on the road next Wednesday and Oklahoma State at home. So very good chance for them to finish once again. Even if they went one and two, they'd be 500. But, um, you know, I, I saw some people say, hey, you know, Mark Pope, Deserves, and I, I believe he deserves some consideration for coach of the year. I think, I think you definitely should. Uh, I think Houston, we know they're really good. We knew they were good before. 
you come in the conference, you put together a stretch like Kelvin Sampson's bunch has in this league. It's uh, it's pretty hard to to deny. I think the best coaching job has been done. You know, once again, like I think the, the way that the award is usually distributed, it's going to go to Kelvin Sampson. Uh, but Mark Pope, uh, you know, and TJ Otzelberger, they'd be the two guys right there. And I think for what we expected from BYU basketball this year, man, this has been such a a strong season and such a strong run. The Big Twelve, look, they've traded wins and losses. You know, they've had a couple two game losing streaks, couple two game winning streaks, but. Like that's that's what you have to do in this league. You need to survive night in and night out, and not let a two-game losing streak become three, four, five. And you've seen K State have that happen in this year. You know we've seen uh, other teams have that happen to them. And and BYU did a great job. They never fell in much of a hole. And I think it's a very steady season. And that's a twenty-plus win season was is what it's going to end up being for what uh, very much appears to be a, a tournament team, and and then some. Well, yeah, not, the expectations for BYU were like at, at seemingly an all-time low coming into this conference, and that they were picked 13th out of 14 teams. The only team picked worse than them was UCF, and trust me, we watched BYU struggle in the West Coast Conference last year, and all of us out here in Utah were like, okay, if you can't compete against the Gonzagas and the St. Mary's, guess what? There is every team in the Big 12 is that caliber, if not higher, in the Big 12 Conference. How in the world is BYU truly going to compete in, in this league? Well, to their credit, Mark Pope has done an incredible incredible job keeping his guys engaged all season long. You mentioned the fact every time they've lost the game and it feels like the wheels could come off on this BYU team, they bounce back the very next game. They struggled mightily in a loss to Kansas State on Saturday and the whole thought of going to Allen Fieldhouse on Tuesday and being like, all right, uh, you're really going to be able to pull this off? Well, they did exactly what they've done all season long. They lose one, they bounce right back and get right back into the fight. And it's been really, really uh, good to see this team do that because this is a this is a very very tough league. You know this, Josh. You cover it on on a league wide level here here on your podcast, and I really have been impressed with the fight that BYU showed all season long. I, I've used the phrase multiple times on multiple shows this week. There's a whole old uh, thing that from the Goonies, uh, the Goonies never say die. Well, BYU mm-hmm. they, they don't say die either, and that's that's been a big mark of this team for them to finish potentially looks like 500 in conference, find themselves as a single single digit seed in March Madness. It has surpassed all expectations for BYU this season. And the one thing about them that really sticks out, they're ninth in adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. I mean, this is a, and the the thing about them is, you know, they are a really balanced team. Jackson Robinson leads the team in scoring, but this is not a team that's got like ridiculously high minute totals. Like some of the teams that we see out there, Kansas obviously is is the other, is the example of this. Like they just ride their guys into the ground. I mean, they've got, let's see, I'm looking now. Uh, they've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. They got seven guys. I think it is that average at least 20 minutes a game, right? They're playing a bunch of guys and they also have a bunch of guys that score, right? They got, uh, let's see, one, two, three, five guys who average over 10 points per game. And so just like from a, the standpoint of like, Hey, like I guess Robinson's their, their guy, you could say, but like, that's the whole thing is they don't really have a guy and they are varied and they, they can throw the ball inside and they can shoot the three pretty well. I think it's a team that's shooting 35% from three this year. You know, I think Robinson comes off the bench for them, uh, you know, at, at times. I, I'm not sure if he's been doing that all year, but like they, they are varied in their attack and they are balanced and they move the ball so well. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing about it is you mentioned the fact they don't necessarily have a go-to guy and they, they've had multiple guys make big plays all season long. Uh, most recently, there was a big shot from Dallin Hall on Tuesday night against Kansas. He got switched on to Hunter Dickinson and just dead eye uh, hits a three in Dickinson's grill, which essentially put BYU up for good. It was the dagger that really led BYU to that victory. And he's done that. Jackson Robinson's had his moments this year. Trevin Nell's had his moments. Ali Khalifa, who's been kind of the breakout star for BYU this season's their big man in the middle, who is just a huge facilitator of this offense. He has had his moments as well. They go eight uh, guys deep at minimum. As many as nine guys will play in a game. You mentioned the fact seven of them averaging 20 minutes or more this season. They have been very, very balanced all season long. And I think that's been a big hallmark of this team. Yes, they shoot the three at an astronomical clip. They want to shoot 30 plus threes a game. And when they're making them, yeah, they're, they're, they're really, really hard to beat. But the biggest, bigger point is, yes, they're a balanced team. And if a guy is having an off night, somebody else steps up into, into that role to take on the, the, the role that that guy may be faltering in. And that's been a big hallmark of this Cougar team. Yeah. And I love it the other night, the one thing they did really well, and it's not like the first team to do this, but they were probably the most effective that I've seen this year was pulling Hunter Dickinson away from the basket. They really put him in a lot of pick and roll and got the switches they wanted to. And the thing about Dewan Harris and also not having Kevin McCullough out there to really hurt them, but like Dewan Harris can fight as much as he wants to. He's not a big guy. And so if they get the switches they want to, getting Dickinson away from the basket, they're also good about getting guys cut into the rim in that open space in the middle. And KJ Adams is is Dickinson's just big. So like I think that kind of rim protector by default at times. KJ Adams is a is a better shot blocker, I think, than Dickinson is. But they just they open things up really well. And also they did a great job, you know, not just driving against Dickinson. They had a couple of times they went to the rim on him and used his, his slow feet, but Dickinson has to give some space in the perimeter and they hit a couple threes. Like you mentioned, right in his grill in the first and the second half. And anytime Kansas went on a run, they use that three point shot. They use spacing really well to get those opportunities and, and they can do that to a lot of different teams. They can. And that, that thing about it is BYU against Kansas State, the game prior to that, they made six of 31 attempts from three. They were shot 19%, yeah. probably their worst shooting performance uh, in months uh, from the three-point line, if not the worst one of the season. So what the thought was, okay, you're going to Allen Fieldhouse. You're really going to be able to bounce back from that. Well, what, they, what do they do? They shoot 38% from three, 13 of 34 in that game. And uh, they the biggest thing is Bill Self kind of manifested this. He said Monday, if they make 13 threes and we make three, that's a 30-point difference. Well, guess what? happened Tuesday night. BYU makes 13 threes. Kansas makes three. And it's a 30-point difference and a big key why BYU is able to come out with that victory. Because you mentioned the fact that they were able to stave off those runs from Kansas. Every time Kansas tried to make uh, make a run, they got up by 12, as, as many as 12 in that second half. And BYU just kind of reeled them back in with that three-point shot. And it's been a really, really nice thing to have in BYU's arsenal. When they're making threes, they're really, really hard to beat. When they're not making them, well, guess what? They're going to lose They're going to lose those games. And they've lost to the likes of Oklahoma State and Kansas State as a result of not shooting the three ball well. But when they're making it like they did Tuesday night against Kansas, they can beat anybody in this league. So it's kind of a – it sits on a knife's edge for BYU, and it's a, it's a unique style of basketball that kind of doesn't exist anywhere else in the Big 12. And, yes, there are some frustrating losses for BYU as a result of this uh, three-point shot and the, the their high volume they shoot, but it's kind of the style that they have chosen to play because they are kind of adopting an NBA mentality. Either you shoot the three or you go to the rim. We're not taking many mid-range shots. No, it's smart. And that's the personnel too, right? The, the personnel does sit them well for that. And look, you know, I think the big, the big question too, like 
think about a lot of these home court, these home courts of the big 12, man, they're all just massive equalizers. Yes. Like all of these places are such big home court advantages huh? and look like, you know, the team, but I, I think the one thing we're saying too, is like teams are so good to where they can, they're going into some of these buildings and picking up wins, you know, cause they have the capability to do so. And yeah. I, I'm interested to see what happens when you put BYU on a neutral floor. I, I am pretty curious because for them, you know, it's it's not like the game plan's going to change that much. But it's funny. I I think um, for them, teams like Houston are kind of the nightmare. Like mm-hmm. that's not the team you want to play just because of how physical they can be with your guards. And like, who wants to play Houston? I don't really think anybody. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to play Houston at this point in time yeah. with what we've seen. But like, you know, Baylor is a team that I think, even though they lost. You know they're a, a Messi free throw away from 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 beating Houston the other day in a game they didn't really play that well. That's a team that you know that would be, it's a good matchup there. Uh, BYU is kind of more of a it's not just like all guard oriented like it's just it's it's guys in the perimeter who have a little bit of length can handle the basketball they just, they move the ball well around you know they'll, they'll dump it inside just it's a good rotation good a good a good movement I think and once again the game plan from Mark Pope the other night was just about as good as you could get I mean just really schematically sound. Well, and keep an eye on Ali Khalifa. Anybody who hasn't seen Ali Khalifa play for BYU yet, he's a poor man's Jokic. Yeah. He's fantastic yeah. in the high post, just kind of running the offense. You mentioned the fact that BYU likes to cut to the rim. Well, I guess the reason why they're, why they're able to do that is Ali Khalifa's passing ability. If a guy cuts hard enough and he's got an, uh, an angle to get him the pass, you will see Ali Khalifa deliver a dime. He is, I still believe, top 10 in the country in assists to turnover ratio, and he's the only guy over six foot four. He's six foot 11. He's right. BYU. And he's incredible passing the basketball. And the best part about it is he has the ability to also shoot the three. If, if a guy wants to sag off him on the perimeter and he doesn't find the angle he wants on that pass, all he does is step back and shoot a three. And he's made a bunch of those this season. So, yeah. And they can run dribble. They can run handoff stuff for them, which is really nice. Yes. I mean, it's basically like, it's, like a, it's, it's almost like a wing post up. You know, it's, it's almost like he's a posting up at the three point line. Bingo. He's one of those guys is really good working off that. You're just, you're right about the Jokic part of it. He's averaging over four assists per game. And the guy only plays 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, this is a guy that is, you know, like that's, that's so great when you have a guy like that where the ball stops for a second, but like it's stopping just to keep it moving or stopping just to get the the next possible best shot. As long as everybody else is moving, he's in great shape. It's nice to have a player like that in the perimeter. Yeah, and you mentioned the guys on the perimeter as well. Jackson Robinson, 6'7", with the 7'1 wingspan. Dallin Hall, right. the point guard, is 6'4", and he's got, I think, it's something like 6'7", or 6'8", wingspan. They've yeah. got length on the perimeter. Trevin L, 6'5", too. Yeah. Sure. And that you, you mentioned that Spencer Johnson, same thing. So they, they've, five, had, yeah. they've kind of prioritized in recruiting, uh, going with more length and shooting ability than anything else. Yes. They're not necessarily the most defensive sound team out there and nor that will they ever be because their athleticism, I don't think necessarily lends itself to that, but they have kind of sacrificed the, maybe some of the, the defensive prowess to be more of an offensive oriented team that is really going to keep themselves in games with that ability. But the length is absolutely a, an asset that BYU is utilized. And it's really nice to see because they're u- using, as you mentioned, they're kind of using the, the skill sets and the talent they have and fitting the system around those guys. And it's, it's benefited them to a big degree. All right, Jake, where can folks find you and your work and all of its variety? Uh, you can search out Locked On Cougars wherever you get your podcast. It's also on YouTube. It's really simple to find. If you also search Locked On BYU, it'll probably pop up as well. Uh, if you want my thoughts on all things sports, I'm on Twitter at Jacob C. Hatch. The show is also all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search us out Locked On Cougars. All right, Jake Hatch, Locked On Cougars. We appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, buddy.